Ever wonder about the word Christmas? Or why we have an evergreen tree in our houses at this time of the year? Or why we celebrate Christ's birth on December 25th? I thought it would be good for us to review some of the basic practices and symbols surrounding Christmas and see their Catholic Christian origins. While it's true that some of them have been influenced by other religious or cultural traditions throughout the centuries, the Catholic Church has often seen the good, the beautiful, and vestiges of the true in other cultures, adopted them and adapted them, and then utilized them for the purposes of evangelization, bringing them into the fullness of truth in the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in order to fulfill the great commission that Christ gave to his church to bring all peoples to him so that he might offer the gift of salvation across the world and time. And to do this in a way that doesn't violate the gospel, the truth, but facilitates it. So let's look at some of the practices surrounding Christmas, their origin and meaning, so that once again, now living in an unbelieving age, we as Christians, like Christians of past, might more fully see, appreciate, and, and communicate the gospel message of the birth of the Son of God into the world at Christmas and beyond. Number one, the word Christmas simply means Christ Mass. Thus, the word is truly Roman Catholic in origin. Christmas gets its word and meaning from the celebration of the Catholic Mass that commemorates the birth of Jesus Christ into the world. But not only that, not just the birth, like we do every Mass, his mission, his suffering, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, the sending of the Holy Spirit, and the formation of the church. The early Christians celebrated Christmas this way. As we now gather across the centuries in the world around a Eucharistic table, as in the past. Why? To commune with the one God who was born among us in order to become one with us, to commune with his people. This is the true context of the celebration of Christmas and even its name. Perhaps, too, this is why so many people, even today, make it a point to come to Mass, even if only at Christmas. Number two, is December 25th really the day Jesus was born? No one really knows for certain. However, December 25th was chosen by the Catholic Church in Rome soon after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ in its ongoing efforts to bring the Christian faith to a pagan civilization of the Roman Empire. December 25th represented for the Romans the rebirth of the sun god, whose light began to come back into the world with the winter solstice. The Catholics saw this and used this. They spoke to the Romans about the Son of God, who is the true light of the world and brings us light by his birth among us as man, his suffering and death and his rising. Thus adopting and adapting this pagan feast the Christians of that day were able to make it easier for the citizens of the Roman Empire to come to a belief in Jesus and his teachings. Furthermore, once Rome was Christianized, 
the Catholic Church, guided by the Holy Spirit, used the capital of the Roman Empire and its structure, its infrastructure, to spread Christian, the Christian faith to all parts of the empire. Pretty ingenious, if you ask me, and never once violating what it is that Christ taught. And isn't that what the church is doing today with the new evangelization? It's asking for new methods, new expression, and new ardor. Just like in the centuries before, when the Christians looked around them and said, what can we use here to facilitate the gospel? Number three, why is there an evergreen tree in our homes at this time of the year? The Catholics in Germany had centuries ago religious plays to teach the faith. One of them reenacted the story of Adam and Eve. The Garden of Eden was represented by a fir tree, a common tree in Germany at that age. This tree also symbolized then the tree of knowledge of good and evil from which Adam and Eve took a bite of its fruit. Therefore, the fir tree in this play had red apples hanging upon it. The Jews actually believed it was a fig tree in the time of the book of Genesis. Doesn't matter. The play ended with a prophecy of the coming of a savior. So the play always took place during Advent when we prepare for the birth of the savior. The tree was eventually set up then moving from the town squares into churches and eventually into homes and became a symbol of our savior. It represented not only paradise lost and the fall of man, but gained back again through our salvation in the birth of Jesus Christ. Then, later, the German immigrants and that wave of immigration to the United States from Europe and Eastern Europe, they brought the Christmas tree to America. Fruits, nuts, flowers, lighted candles and sweet cookies adorn, and of course red apples, adorn the first Christmas trees. But only the strongest trees could support the weight without drooping. Thus, German glass blowers, Christians, began producing the lightweight glass balls to replace the heavier natural decorations. And it was always at first just red bulbs. This is also then how we get the Christmas tree bulbs. For the fruit of the Garden of Eden, the Christmas lights, for the light of the world, Jesus Christ at his birth, Christmas cookies, which used to be set on the branches of the tree and then ate on Christmas morning, reminding us of the sweetness of this celebration and the star, of course, that tops the tree is symbolic of the star in the east, which led the wise man to Jesus. Number four. Why do people give each other presents on Christmas Day? The initial tradition of giving, gift giving finds, of course, its origins with the gifts of the wise men, the magi brought to Jesus. As recounted in Matthew's gospel, on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold frankincense and myrrh. Number five, and what about the nativity, which simply means the birth, the nativity, the birth scene under the Christmas tree or in front of altars? 
the star, the manger, the swaddling clothes, the shepherds, the angels, the heavenly host, and the wise men all come from Matthew and Luke's gospel in the Bible. The practice of setting up a nativity scene, a birth scene, at Christmas time was popularized by a Catholic friar, St. Francis of Assisi in the 13th century. Number six, why are there oversized stockings hanging on the fireplace mantles? In the fourth century, St. Nicholas left his first gifts of gold coins in the stockings of three poor girls who needed the money in order to avoid being sold into slavery. The girls had hung their stockings by the fire to dry. So number seven, St. Nicholas was the original Santa Claus, yes, and he still is. A fourth century Catholic bishop who defended the divinity of Jesus Christ at the first ever ecumenical council of Nicaea from which we get our creed, Santa Claus contributed to creating our creed. He was persecuted by the Roman Empire for his belief, and he was a very kind and generous man with a great heart in assisting the poor, underprivileged, and children. He is Santa Claus, Saint Nicholas. Just when he got secularized, they took off the Nick, Nicholas. Also, his clothes tell us something about him. The red is a reminder that he gave his life, his blood, literally his blood, as a martyr, one who witnessed his Christian faith to an unbelieving world and therefore was put to death for his faith in Jesus Christ. The white is a symbol of his baptism, and every priest and deacon wears it. It's called an alb, which in Latin means white, and they wear it underneath their vestments. Even the triangular hat reminds us of who he was, a bishop, Although for centuries, his red hat, like all bishops' mitres, hats, stood erect on his head, when St. Nicholas was secularized, the hat drooped and they put a fuzzy little white ball on the end of it. Number eight, why do we have holly draped all over our mantles and staircases and practically everywhere else? Keep in mind that ultimately, the cradle leads to the cross, so the sharply pointed leaves of the holly symbolize for the Christians the thorns in Christ's crown of thorns, and the red berries represented the drops of his blood from his head. Traditionally, the holly wreath was hung on the Christian family's front door. We continue to do that with holly or with Advent or Christmas wreaths. Okay, what about poinsettias? Why all the poinsettias around an altar at Christmas? Well, remember that Christmas is not just celebrated in Northern Hemisphere nations, but around the world and therefore in Southern Hemisphere and warmer environments. Therefore, the Christians of these warmer environments during the winter months might actually be enjoying their summer months and would naturally use from their native lands that which reminds them of Christ and his birth, death, and resurrection. This is the case with poinsettia. It blooms around Christmas, like in, for instance, in places like Mexico, where the flower is actually called the flower of the good night, Christmas Eve. That's when it was set out. With its brilliant red or white, 
star-shaped flower blooming on each branch and reminding us of the star of Bethlehem, which points out the birth of Christ and the blood of Christ. Notice that all these traditions are not just about birth. They're also about blood. They don't just concentrate on the baby. They concentrate on why the baby came into the world. What about the Advent wreaths? I mentioned some of that. The Advent wreaths, as well as, um, as the Christmas wreath, they're interchangeable or they're similar, is always an evergreen. It, which reminds us of God's love surviving death uh, from our sins. Even in the midst of his death, there's the resurrection or also the coldness of winter and the hope of returning springtime, a resurrection which God brings us each year and will bring us completely at the second coming. So the circle of the reef, no beginning and no end, but going on forever and ever reminds us that God's love is never ending, eternal, and surrounds us. I could go on like this for quite a long time, but I won't. But how about just three more? Number 11, candy canes. Yes, even candy canes have a Christian meaning. They are attributed to a Catholic candy maker who made Christmas candy with a J, shape for Jesus. With a white for Christ's purity and the red stripes to represent the bloody stripes that Christ bore for us. Number 12. Why is Christmas sometimes spelled Xmas? Now, many of us Christians, when we see this, we get upset and think they're trying to take Christ out of Christmas, but you would actually be wrong. Many believe that Christmas in our modern society is an attempt, the Xmas is an attempt to take Christ out of the Christmas. Actually, the use of Xmas became popular in Catholic Europe in the 1500s when Catholics are being persecuted. The word for Christ in Greek is Christos, that begins with an X. The X sounds like a K in Greek, and it's spelled with a K. I mean, uh, the K is an X. So the 16th century Europe was merely borrowing from a much older tradition in the Catholic Church of applying the first letter of Christ, the X, to refer to the entire name. Indeed, Xmas has a Christian origin and definitely means Christmas, whether we or advertisers know it or not. Number 13, and finally, the 12 days of Christmas. When the Catholic celebration of the 12 days of Christmas, which is from Christmas Day to the Feast of the Epiphany, was suppressed in England, Catholics found various ways to express their faith and teach their youth, their children, the faith, and do it in a clandestine way that would protect them. The popular carol, the 12 days of Christmas, then was created and became an allegory of our Christian faith. It starts out with the words, for instance, my true love gave to me. Well, our true love as Christians is God. God gives and we receive the following. One partridge in a pear tree. In the early church, the Christ was depicted in iconography and early art as a partridge. Jesus died upon a tree. So our true love gives us Christ 
who dies for our sin upon a tree. He gives us salvation. Number two, two turtle doves. Two doves, we know from the scriptures and from Jewish tradition, were often offered a poor man's sacrifice as a sacrifice in the temple for one sin. We see Jesus' parents offering two turtle doves as an offering for him in the temple as they dedicate him. Jesus is also, of course, the one who offers himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Three French hymns, faith, hope, and love, the three cardinal virtues, the three theological virtues. Four, calling birds, the four gospels, calling out to the world the good news. Five golden rings, it's the Pentateuch, it's the first in the five major books of the Old Testament where we learn about our own creation, fall, exile in Egypt, exodus from Egypt, the coming into the promised land, the giving of the laws of God to, of, from God to Moses to his people, which Christ comes to fulfill all of that. Six geese laying is the six days of creation, Genesis 1 and 2. Seven swans of swimming, it's the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit, as we see in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 through 10, 8 through 11. Eight maids of milking, what do you think? What is eight maids of milking? The Beatitudes. Matthew 5, 3 through 12. Nine ladies dancing. The nine fruits of the Holy Spirit, such as joy, and, and we see this, St. Paul document this in Galatians 5, 22 through 23. Okay, nine lords of weeping, you got to get, I'm, I'm sorry, ten lords of weeping, you got to get this one, ten lords of weeping. Ten commandments, thanks be to God. <laughs> Eleven pipers piping, 11, not 12 the 11 faithful apostles. And then finally, the 12 drummers drumming, you probably don't know this one. 12 drummers drumming, making noise. It's the 12 tenets of our faith as outlined in the Apostles' Creed. When you break it down, there's 12 tenets of our faith. Well, there you have it in a nutshell. Christmas is a holy Catholic Christian holiday, or should I say holy day, even the word holiday comes to us from our Catholic Christian faith as, as our understanding of holy days. All that happened when it got secularized is we, we, we pronounce it differently and we spell it slightly different. Holiday, holy day, holiday. The beliefs, words, and practices behind many of our Christian Christmas symbols, customs, and traditions make for a fascinating study of history. But is that all it is to us? The most important thing about Christmas, as we consider the origin and meaning of everything surrounding this beautiful celebration, is not its history. It is what Christmas should point us to, or should I say who Christmas should point us to, the Son of God, our Savior. When we understand as Christians today, appreciate and celebrate the Catholic Christian origins of all that we do and cherish about Christmas, then we are better able to be able to grow in our love and our relationship with God who became man to save us. Then 
Christmas will never just be a secular feast or a nice family tradition that we grew up with. Then Christmas will always have the power to save us. And we as Christians will always be able to use it to evangelize an unbelieving world.